Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. I'm sorry, you can sit there and look and play with all your silly machines as much as you like. Is Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I say! Brilliant! And time, and time again. Break up the music. Charge a glass. This nation is going to dance all night. Les Dennis denied by the woodwork. A new rival for bread and butter and meat and drink. Will Nathan Jones ever truly have an era? The international vindication of Harry Redknapp. A quick-fire brace from Murder, She Wrote. One man's peep show cameo spirals into something rather different. Paintbrush volleys, the Premier League's noteworthy country versus country 50-50 tackles, and Robert Earnshaw skippers a side of truly trivial players in the pure quiz question 11. Brought to your ears by Goalhanger Podcasts, this is Football Clichés. Hello everyone, welcome to Football Clichés. I'm Adam Hurry and with me for today's episode is Charlie Eccleshare. How's it going? Very well, thank you. And David Walker, how are things? Very good. Today's episode then, part two, will be the pure quiz question 11. Um, been thinking about this one for a while. I think it's going to be quite a straightforward affair, but I also think it's a delicate balancing act to make sure that we get the right players in. But in the process of knocking together today's episode, we've ended up with a brilliant adjudication panel as well. So I'm gonna, we're going to do both. We're going to squeeze both in and let uh, Let's kick things off with uh, my favourite tweet of the week. It came from Les Dennis. Why do football commentators still say hit the woodwork? Let me know if it's post or the crossbar. Moan over. An unexpected cliches correspondent, Charlie. <laughs> Is it definitely him? Is it legit? Les Dennis? Oh, it's him. All right. No question. Yeah, no worries there. Precisely the, the sort of surface level cliches discourse you'd expect from the Les Dennis's of this world, Charlie. Presumably that's a radio issue. But why else would you... you, you if you're watching... Surely you just know. 
Is, is it that you're a bit conf- you're listening and you're a bit confused and you want more detail? I don't think it is. I think he, I suspect he doesn't really care about being confused. He just he's just noticed that it's happened and it's right, one of those. Okay. Oh, you know what do they call I've it? Noticed that something. Uh, yeah. So pretending to be annoyed by it. But Dave, everything about it, from just the man himself and everything he says, has very similar energy to this. As the window quotes slammed right. shut, it always right. slams shut if you're watching Sky Sports News. It doesn't News. gently close, does it? it? It doesn't close as it does in most other places. Right. It slams, slams shut. shut. Maybe it's not that niche a subject after all. <laughs> I've finally discovered. Loads of people love it. Loads of them do. Let's. Um, Dennis. Les Dennis. We'll get him on. MHD. I didn't know he was a football fan of any, in any capacity, but... Um, Not sure that proves he is, to be fair. <laughs> well, I mean, aware of football existing is, is the benchmark I'm setting there, at the very least. Um, let's move on from Les Dennis. Now, next one came from Cy Mintoft, who's listening to Coventry versus Sheffield Wednesday on the radio, and um, an old favourite for us. Good chance for uh, Rhys James, isn't it, just to uh, play a little bit of football. Seldom seen in the championship and now the Owls come again Kadamatri gets the shot away Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> what tune is this one to whoa <laughs> that's I'm not sure that's slightly that, I mean that sounds like he's almost been knocked off his chair or something I wonder what the shot was like in my head it, it, it's dragged across goal and the, and the keeper's not sure so he's diving for it and the, even the commentators is that creeping in whoa yeah no that, I, I think it's a bobbler it, it's definitely it's definitely gone low in my mind and it's a bit of a surprise and it, whoa it's a bit nearer than he said it early I think I should have looked this up um, poor research from me but um, disappointed that Charlie couldn't identify the tune within milliseconds um, we'll work <laughs> on that one this this is brilliant this isn't even the centrepiece of this adjudication panel but I adored it it came from Jordan Eyre who says my ears pricked up when hearing this food based analogy from an MUTV pundit during a women's game a few years ago I'd never heard this before and I don't know how to feel <laughs> you're not you're not going to be prepared for this again okay, that first bit of pressure really that haven't Everton have put on uh, United but again you think with no forwards in there realistically they put the ball in then it'll be uh, you know egg and milk for Aoife and uh, Millie Turner egg and milk <laughs> we needed a new addition to this Charlie bread and butter meat and yeah. drink I mean, yeah that's well, all it is isn't it yeah. Just, well bread yeah. butter eggs and milk they're your four, they are your four absolute staples. staples right Yeah, they are, they are the things you go out and just need to grab aren't yeah. they yeah yeah, we just got to the holiday home. We just nipped out for some for some egg and milk. Um, now, I, I wanted to get ahead of this debate, Charlie, and I thought, okay, let's assume that egg and milk is a saying somewhere, presumably in the north. I don't know. I had a little Google. I couldn't find anything about egg and milk being a synonym for bread and butter, you know, that kind of equivalent, you know, something straightforward for someone. Uh, the only thing I could find, literally the only thing I could find was a poem by a Judith Chandler uh, back in 2009. Um, entitled, it was egg and milk to him. It was egg and milk to him, my mum would say, and I gather it meant a high level of satisfaction for someone she didn't approve of. I have never in my life before or since heard anyone else say that. Even my mother doesn't say it anymore. I keep forgetting to ask her. Poignant stuff, but... Um, wow. <laughs> egg and milk. I'm going to start using it. That's it. Egg and milk from now on for me. It's an egg and milk save. Yeah. <laughs> it's rubbish. Don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> egg and milk. Without the alliteration, it's nothing, is it? Isn't it? They don't I mean, even go together. Uh, they, do. they do. They do in many con- in many contexts, don't they? Yeah, actually, yeah. Uh, put milk in scrambled eggs. Do you? You could do. I don't personally, but I I was having this conversation with someone uh, only the other week. They do, and recommend some it. people like it creamier than others. I guess. Um, right. Anyway, let's move on. Simple one for me. In this day and age, Dave, I think this was quite a dangerous thing for Charlton Athletic to tweet. 
ahead of their game against Reading on Saturday. They tweeted, the Nathan Jones era starts on Saturday. I wouldn't call it an era now, would you? Well, no. How, how long was his previous era at, uh, at Southampton? About 10 games. It wasn't very long, was it? Was it, was it longer than the Liz Truss era? Days, yes, I reckon, because the World Cup interrupted it. So he was probably saved to some extent by that. But that, I mean, it was so short being interregnum. 14 games, his Southampton era. Had a 133-game era at Luton Town. 170 in his first Luton spell. 38 at Stoke. I mean, this all really does beg the question, Charlie. What's the lower threshold for an era? I mean, obviously it's changed a lot because now how shorter on average managerial spells are just but I will answer that but just also like calling something an era and that's kind of the point calling something an era at the start mm. is tricky isn't it because you've got no idea but how, you should how be long. optimistic shouldn't you you should assume that your manager is going to be in place for I don't know I three four five years yeah there's some so so era begins now I mean now in Premier League terms I'm just looking at the teams and how long their managers have been charged I mean I think you'd say the Eddie Howe era now and even though he's only been there what, two seasons? Yeah, that's an interesting example to use, Dave, because um, with Eddie Howe, it's not just the time he's been there, but it's it's the change that he's ushered in at the same time as the takeover. So it's defined more by what's gone on than the length of time he's been there. So maybe that comes into play as well. You could be at a club for 10 years, nothing happens. Is that still an era? That's Probably still is. an era, 10 yeah, yeah. years. Okay, yeah. after a certain level, it's always <laughs> going to be an era then. Okay. Yeah, yeah. because but it, but with because I was going to say, I think two seasons is about, you know, notwithstanding all the context of what happens, I think two seasons, seasons you're nowadays in Premier League you're into era territory but yes definitely with something like Eddie Howe because of everything that's happened it becomes more of an era you wouldn't say the Conte era at Spurs would you you'd say like the Conte season and even though he Conte period probably are they in the Postacoglu era now it's like he, he's such a positive he's made mm. such a big positive change yeah, so it's, quickly it's Howish, isn't it it I feels mean, like there's been a real change. They're in a new era. Yeah, the age of Postacoglu. Could do a Watford joke here, but... Yeah, I was thinking that too easy. Nah, I was trying to get yeah. through this one unscathed. Yeah. <laughs> more, more Watford in a bit, actually. Right, um, this is great as well. Um, Hyungmin Son's South Korea stunned by Jordan in the semi-finals of the AFC Asia Cup this week. Um, so Jordan in the final, unprecedented scenes for them, you would imagine, Charlie. But maybe this was all many years in the making. Kevin Mullen says, who knew this Harry Redknapp interview would be so prophetic? Hello. Hello. Uh, welcome. Welcome. Uh, congratulations. Huh? Congratulations. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Uh, do you have any comment after that one? Very good performance. Good, good performance. I've been very impressed with the players in training, playing. They are good boys. You have some very good players in Jordan. Jordan football, the future is good. The players were, were, were very, very good. It was a good performance today. They are very, very... You have a lot of very good players in Jordan. The future is good. He called it. He did. The golden generation. What's really funny here is that we, we've previously seen Harry Redknapp kind of acting in EastEnders, I think it was. And this is him doing the thing we've also talked about of talking... Kind of to someone who maybe English isn't their first language, we, we, you know, this was recently in the headlines with Eric Dyer and his kind of German speak. And it's 
they're very close sort of football manager acting and football manager talking English to someone they're not sure has great English I thought he it's, gave it's that just... quite a light touch actually I thought I thought he um, I thought he was just well you're you're getting what you're getting I thought was very oh, much the vibe I, don't know. His... I was yeah. definitely slowed down he didn't beat him halfway though did he he didn't need it. to slow down as much as he did I don't yeah. think <laughs> but um, yeah this this um, this was after the first of his two games in spell as manager of the Jordan national team this was after they beat Bangladesh 8-0 in a World Cup qualifier quite simply Charlie is this Jordanian football Scott Cannon Frank Lampard moment <laughs> yeah yeah quite possibly I mean I'd love to know what he makes of uh, of their run they're going right to the very final <laughs> of the AFC Asia Cup right to the very final um, surely Harry should be on the one of the pundits for the final yeah. His boys. Uh, his boys have made someone's, it. Someone's got to be interviewing him this week, Dave. Surely. I mean, we're joking aside. That was in 2016. So, what, eight years ago. So, could still be a few players. But, you know, he must have had some tangible contribution to this cycle of Jordanian football's history. I mean, I'm laughing, but I shouldn't be. He must have set some wheels in motion. Some of them. He should take the credit for it. Is he Sam Allardyce to, 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 to go <laughs> Southgate? <laughs> What could have been? Yeah. Same time as well, 2016. God, oh, there were so yeah. many big, big moments that year. Oh, good. Glad. Pleased for him. Hope he, hope he um, takes some of the credit for it. Right. Footballers names in things. It's been up and down recently. Um, I hope people have stuck with it emotionally because it's all led to this moment which will justify and vindicate your support. It came from Dylan Arwell, who was watching Murder, She Wrote, Season 1, Episode 10. Death casts a spell and enjoyed the name of the guy who turns out to be the prime suspect for the murder of world-renowned hypnotist Cagliostro. But he didn't just have Jessica Fletcher hunting him down. Hello. Mrs. Fletcher, isn't it? Yes. I thought I recognised you. I'm Andy Townsend. I work yeah. for Bud Michaels, the columnist. <laughs> no, Mrs. Collegian. But I'm here because I have to tell Lieutenant Bergkamp what I saw. Oh. <laughs> Double whammy. <laughs> wow. Uh, it is Andy Townsend. It might not have sounded slightly. They say it slightly differently in American accent, but it is definitely Andy Townsend. That is the name of the character. And uh, he was the, uh, he turned out to be the guy who did it. Sorry to ruin it for anyone. <laughs> <laughs> You're making your way through. When was yeah. this episode first broadcast? Ed. Uh, December the 30th, 1984. It was two years before Dennis Pergkamp's senior debut okay. for Ajax. In terms of Andy Townsend, he was plying his trade for Weymouth down in the Gola League, which is now the National League. Okay, so genuine coincidence then. Unless unless there was a real... Somebody who really had their finger on the pulse on the Murder, She Wrote mm. writing team. Tiny little twist. Uh, one, of the, one of the little bits of evidence that Jessica Fletcher presented to this Andy Townsend to accuse him of the crime, um, she linked him to this hypnotist, Cagliostro, by some time that um, Andy Townsend had spent in England and she said I knew this because you called the elevator a lift Ooh. so uh, notwithstanding the fact that the airtime of the episode should not bear any correspondence to the whereabouts of Andy Townsend at the time uh, the day before that episode was aired he played for Weymouth against Worcester City and then a couple of days later on New Year's Day 1985 he scored twice against Yeovil Town so uh, um, on the up I think it's fair to say does this Andy Townsend later on respond, listen, fair play? <laughs> when they caught him, that, surely that's his response. Listen, what, what a hypnotist he is, by the way. Nah, listen, fair play. You've got me, yeah. All ends up, all ends up. you got me. <laughs> listen, fair play. <laughs> um, thanks, uh, thanks to um, all those who helped out source this audio, um, including uh, Dylan O'Driscoll, who had the DVD in another room but had a meeting that he couldn't get out of, and Matt, whose mum, he says, has the lot. Does she? She's got the lot. 
The complete mum. Fantastic. Right. Um, yeah, really enjoyed that. Now, next up, uh, this is Peep Show, Series 4, Episode 6, The Wedding. This is Mark contemplating getting run over in a car park to delay marrying Sophie. Shit. Could I? Here it comes. Come on, Mark. Take the hit. Keep your eyes on the prize. What the hell are you doing? Sorry, I, I didn't see you. You're looking straight at me. Must get injured. Well, you should be more careful, you jizzcock. What? You could have had my legs off, you piss kidney. Arsehole. Arsehole. Yep, nice insult. Clean, clear and insulting. Now, you'd be forgiven for not recognising the voice of the driver of that car. Uh, does it, it doesn't ring any bells, does it? No. Uh, I, I won't tell you how I arrived at this information, but that guy's name is uh, is Colin Mace. He's an actor. He's, he's been in all sorts of things, really. He's a wide variety of stuff. This episode was aired in 2007. Almost exactly 10 years later, uh, he did the voiceover for the audiobook of Michael Cox's The Mixer. <laughs> <laughs> What a trajectory. Wow. Incredible. Little did he know. I mean, it's not footballers' names in things or anything like that. I just, I don't know. I wanted to share it. How did they make, how did this link up come about? Was Coxie aware of his work? I don't know. He loved um, that scene in Peep Show. Yeah. I mean, I, I thought in isolation, this was interesting enough to worth putting in. And I well, ended up. I'm just imagining Coxie was like, I really want someone from Peep Show to read my book. You know, I really want it to be. How about that scene? You remember the scene in that episode? The guy in the car. <laughs> can we get David Mitchell or Robert Webb? We, we can't do that for you, Michael. <laughs> what what we can do. You, you remember that scene in series four, episode six? David Mitchell reading out the mixer would listen. Yeah. That, oh absolutely. my God. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, I thought I thought in isolation, I thought it was interesting, a little nugget enough to throw in there. But I ended up down a Colin Mace wormhole, and uh, I ended up on his voiceover showreel, which features some football commentary. Now, Charlie, little quiz for you: What goal is he commentating on? I want dates and everything. Uh, against a shot from Lacazette, and it is Welbeck on the ball now. Welbeck plays it across to Decore. Decore to Saar. Here comes Saar now. And uh, Firmino is outside him, making the overlap. Is he going to use him? Tierney has to cover the run of Firmino. Socrates is coming out. Saar now takes on Socrates and gets behind him. And he's into the box and he goes, and it's Dini! Troy Dini has scored a goal for Watford! Oh, my word! The postman delivers... Troy Deeney on a 10-year odyssey from an estate in Birmingham, spending some time at Her Majesty's pleasure and now becoming an absolute legend at Watford Football Club. He scored that goal against Leicester, but this one is even more important. This is the goal that will keep Watford in the Premier League. 86 minutes gone. The ball, the little deft chip from Saar. Wonderful work from Saar cutting inside. And oh, Mustafi made a terrible howler there. He really tried to clear the ball and he actually missed the ball. And uh, he fell over there and the ball came across to Dini. And from that range, eight yards out. Charlie puzzled. There seems to be a lot going on because I initially thought it was the October 2017 game that Watford won. 2-1. The Cajones game. Yeah, the Cajones game, exactly. And Welbeck and Lacazette are mentioned there. I'm starting to wonder if this game really happened. He's saying Welbeck, Welbeck and Lacazette were name-checked there. The only season, they played together two seasons, 17-18 and 18-19. And Welbeck was injured for most of 18-19. Dini scored the goal to keep Watford in the Premier League against Arsenal. I don't think this game's real, Adam. I think he's doing some improvisational shit. This is like Murder, She Wrote. 
<laughs> I love watching the cogs turn in your brain, and and you've arrived to uh, quite the correct conclusion. More worlds colliding here. Take it away, Dave. So this is a fictionalized commentary that was put out by the From the Rookery End podcast during lockdown when the football hadn't come back yet, and they decided to play out all the games that were remain for the remainder of the season as if what could right. happen yeah. and Arsenal played Watford that on the last day at the Emirates that, that season and if Watford had won in reality they would have stayed up yeah that's that's all true though erroneous that Welbeck I mean that's the, a, a little error on, on his Welbeck part. was playing for Watford oh he was playing for Watford oh sorry I, I have see. no there recollection you go. of that that really threw me when I first heard it I thought Welbeck in that Arsenal team I can't remember um, wow no memory of Welbeck at Watford whatsoever but um, I'm glad, glad in a way we didn't catch you out with that Charlie because I, I just cannot, I cannot fa- even picture the idea of you giving a wrong answer to that. I, there's no way. You would have hated it. Absolutely hated it. Um, great stuff, though. From Peep Show to the Rookery M podcast in, uh, in about three steps. Right. Next up, this email came from Josh Vallander and a, few, a message from quite a few others as well. Following the teapot debacle last week, I noticed the use of this phrase in the TNT coverage of Inter versus Juve on Monday night. Equally as perplexing, would love for you to break it down. Here we go. Came to Chalanolo. Oh, what an effort. Chalanolo so close. Wow. He brought it down brilliantly. Then with the paintbrush volley as well. Oh, hits the outside of the post. Brilliant technique. A paintbrush volley, David Walker. Yeah, so he's describing a shot there where the player has brought the ball down on his chest at the edge of the box and he's struck it with the laces. Struck right through it, isn't he? Struck right through it with a straight leg. Mm. And I guess that is the same motion as if you were painting painting a wall, just with a straight arm, just up and down, just gently. It is, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's got, it works. Yeah, and the, the, yeah, the sort of flick flick motion. I'm satisfied with it, Charlie, on a on a kind of technical level. I, I quite like it because as, as we've established, the technique is is quite analogous. But the idea that it might be a thing in football, again, this might be like amongst the playing fraternity then. Maybe that's what they call it. Like the old teapot finish. Yeah. Same vintage, um, Nigel Spackman and Tony Gale. Yeah, they ever played together? Don't think they Ooh. did. <laughs> they certainly will have frequented uh, yeah. uh, TV studios together. They are of the same vintage, yes. definitely. I mean, this is almost certainly not the case, but it did lead me to just reflect briefly and think, have they, have, has like Shrevesy got like, he's rounded up a few of the old boys and gone, just start dropping this stuff in there. <laughs> See if those lads pick up on it. <laughs> What's the next one going to be? Fish knife header. The old. Yeah, the yeah, yeah, throwing it in like it's been used for years and we just haven't picked up on Classic it. Classic really... fish knife header. Yeah. Um, next one comes from Scully. Next one comes from Scully. Dave, is an update on the BBC website during Brentford versus Manchester City. Mark Flecken, this came after an hour, by the way, come off the hour. Mark Flecken has already made 10 saves. The first time a goalkeeper has made at least 10 saves in a match in the Premier League since Martin Dubravka. Interesting. For Newcastle United against Liverpool. Oh, yeah. On 1st of January 2024. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> that is it's ludicrous. First time this year. Since then. The first time this month. Yeah. Scully asks, Dave, what's the minimum threshold for the first time since obscure occurrence has happened? I feel like 35 days is far too short. Obviously. It's got to be a couple of seasons at the very minimum. It's a lot less impressive if it's already happened this season. That's being very generous, I think. Yeah, I mean, what, what do you think the threshold is? Uh, we're talking years? How many years? Definitely think, years. We, 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 should we try and keep, yes, keep it specifically to that stat? 
Yeah. Because obviously there is variance, isn't there? With that stat. I mean, it's tricky because he said it was in it was in the early part of the game, wasn't it? An hour gone. No, an hour gone. So, okay, an hour gone. And so he so the point is kind of like even in whole games played, you've got to go back this far is kind of the point. But then you're only going back far. I think if you said, you know, even in whole games played, it's it's more than a year since someone's done that. Because because it's not a like for like, you might just be about you might just about get away with that. If it was the end of the game and you're saying he made 10 saves today. That's the first time. Then it needs to be further back for it to be really interesting. Then I think at least a couple. What was the, I wonder what, the, what was the previous time before Martin Dubravka? I think it's minimum of three years for this sort of thing. It's like we're laying down a sentence, isn't it? <laughs> but if you, it would sound right to me if, he, if they'd said, Mark Flecken has already made 10 saves. The first time a goalkeeper has made at least 10 saves in a match since Petr Cech in 2005. For Chelsea against, yeah, you want it to Fulham. have that weight. And it's, it's an impressive, it's an impressive stat, it's an impressive feat. But if it only happened thirty-five days ago, not interested. He went on to make more saves anyway. Just wait till then. Tell us at the end of the game. Right, this came from Ryan Charlie. Here's Tim Sherwood on Sky Studio Duty, laying into the current Chelsea regime and issuing this era's official rubber stamping of a malaise. Because these boys are not worried about. Uh, how their performances are at Chelsea at the moment because they think well we'll just turn over another manager another one to come in someone might like me if they don't I'll just go to somewhere else it ain't like that this is Chelsea Football Club I, I, maybe I haven't been paying enough attention to the discourse around Chelsea's kind of 18 months of woe but I, this, this is the first instance I've heard of this is Chelsea Football Club I think so you don't, yeah. you don't earn that willy nilly do you you know you're fucked when you hear that. I mean, it might speak to the fact as well, there aren't as many kind of Chelsea people in the media as there are kind of United ones to, to get really upset by what's going on at Chelsea. Oh, you think it's the domain of an ex-player to do it most of the time? Often, because I think it, it speaks to how upset you are and kind of bothered by what's going on. Whereas I don't feel like, you know, you don't, you don't really hear Keane and Neville and Carragher sort of bemoaning that the fact that Chelsea aren't doing well anymore. Merson would do it because I think, I think, I think Merson is a Chelsea fan, isn't he? I he think is, he yeah, is. yeah. So he would do it. But Dave, I think reassuringly, as I say, it's not something that should be said lightly. Are there any advances on Chelsea and Manchester United earning this in the modern era? Do you think Liverpool would have got it at any stage? Would have been said about Liverpool, not for a long time, but like during the... Hodgson? Whole of the 90s. Hodgson, maybe? Yeah. Oh, they would have had it in the 90s. But, you know, this is a this is more of a modern thing. This is, this is a, a thing that really draws the line in the sand. The demise it? of Brendan Rodgers. Yeah, maybe. But they came but there, so close. There would have been, this is Arsenal Football Club, wouldn't there? When, in that like absolute mess period, when like Emery was leaving and it was all a mess and they had an interim manager and, you know, and it was, embar- it was embarrassing week on, week, on, week yeah. after week. Yeah, maybe. Um, but yeah. Good to know the bar remains high. Right, finally for part one, this is listener Sam once again. Mikel Antonio was on Monday Night Football on Sky and he says he called Erling Haaland a complete striker and then only listed three things. One of the things he definitely missed out was pace. So what are the full set of attributes to be a truly complete striker? I can think of at least seven things I want before saying complete. He hasn't specified those seven things annoyingly, Charlie. Um, so what's, what's, the, what's, the, what's the top one? I mean, this is probably quite well, an obvious he's, question. He's got goals. He's got goals. He's got presence. He's got pace. He's got a good link-up play. Left he, foot, right foot. Left foot, right foot. He can <laughs> score goals with his head. He brings other players in. You know, he can set goals up. He's harder than you think as well. He's tough, tough boy. Got that edge about him. 
as yeah, well. Yeah, exactly. He's got. We're so down he's to got the, the lower edge. rungs now, though. I, Dave, I think Charlie's outlined a nice little hierarchy here. I think he's got the order, but the precedent's quite right. I'm going to take to football manager here to see what they say. There is a category in the game of complete forward. A complete forward possesses all the technical attributes of a deep lying forward the goal-scoring ability of a poacher, and the strength and power of a target man. He is equally adept at playing in others, fashioning chances for himself, and getting on the end of team moves. Such a player transcends tactical instruction and should simply be allowed to do his own thing. There you go. It's quite a simple thing, really, isn't it? Wow. How many of those are there on the game? Yeah, that does sound a bit bit cheat codey, doesn't it? A little bit. Yeah, does ha- I mean I guess Haaland has improved his link up play and he gets he's got a few more assists this season. He set one up for Haaland and he the other uh, for Foden the other day. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure last season. Obviously he was an absolute goal machine. I don't know if you would have said he was a complete fool. He was maybe missing that that little element. I mean such was his goal scoring exploits last season that his record this season actually looks like unimpressive compared to it, even though he's, he's still incredibly healthy. He is human after all. Does he need to add goals back to his game? <laughs> <laughs> he's left his goals. He needs to add them back in. I can imagine. I don't think that'd be said of him, but I can imagine that being said of someone that like, you know, he's, he's I think like Kane, it, it was often said about, you know, he, when he'd like go for the only time ever, like he'd go three goal, three games, maybe without a goal. But because he was doing so much, other, they'd be like, you know, and I know he's doing all the link up stuff. I want him in the box. I want him scoring goals. Listeners, I want some overt examples of players who would, who were advised by pundits to add goals back into their game. I <laughs> uh, can't think of any examples right now. It needs to be very clear cut for me. Anyway, end of part one. Back very shortly. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back to Football Clichés. Some more adjudication panelling for you before we get into the pure quiz question 11. Alex writes in next, Dave, uh, directing me towards a tweet from the official FA Cup Twitter account. Callum O'Hare of Coventry is simply unstoppable at the moment, they tweeted. His six-minute brace in the fourth round replay added an impressive recent tally to the Coventry City forward. Six-minute brace. Jordan, Dave, says, can you say X-minute brace in the same way you can for X-minute hat-trick? I say no. Quick-fire double. Yeah, quick-fire. Does it there? Completely agree. I don't think you, there's no point in specifying the number of minutes. You could probably say two goals in the space of, but it would have to be pretty short. Yeah, mm. you can't. Like, if he scored it. two in thirteen minutes, I don't think I would. I would care so much. But no, I'm not having it. Absolutely not having that. Next up, Mark Quinn is Brazil versus Argentina the most slash only used country versus country battle when two players come up against each other in a Premier League game, usually after a strong tackle between them. That's Brazil versus Argentina, of course. 
Um, I think it might actually be the case. Never considered this before. That's a re- that's a really good observation. Yeah, there was one the other day when Nunes uh, for Liverpool had a shot over Gabriel and him sort of came together and Drew did a kind of oh, a, you know a, a South American mm. a kind of you know he reached over to his fellow South American. I think that would always always be acknowledged if there were two South Americans. Yeah, there's no love lost between those yeah. two. Exactly. And 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 there's probably two main reasons why this is the case, Charlie. First of all, kind of historical animosity between those particular nations. Uruguay, Argentina, Brazil, they're always going to have had intercontinental contretemps. And the second thing is South America is far enough away, it's distant enough for those players to still be exotic in a Premier League context, even in 2024. So you add those two things together, it's still quite novel for those rivalries to be existing in this league on pitch. So I think it's worth pointing out for a commentator. I reckon if Arsenal were playing Spurs and Son was being marked by Tommy Asu, that would surely be commented on, wouldn't it? I'm not I don't I'm not saying it's happened, but that should be all a career Japan battle going on today. It would just be too kind of different for it not to be commented they on. Allies? South Korea and Japan. No, they're not. They really they they really don't like one another. Yeah. What the countries um, or the players? <laughs> The, the country, yeah. Right, I'm not saying, there's beef there between Son and Tomiyasu. Yeah, I think if it... Yeah, I mean, the, the Asian Confederation probably follows the same principle, but just to a lesser extent. Like, it, it's still got that element of rareness, so you probably would, because how often would two players from the Asian Confederation come up against each other in, mm. in a 50-50 tackle in the Premier League? So it would have to be worth commentating on. But probably two African players probably wouldn't. Much more common, you'd think. Yeah. Cameroon versus yeah, Ivory but... Coast there, <laughs> yeah. vying for the ball. No, wouldn't bother. Wouldn't bother. But yeah, Brazil-Argentina, that's a great shout. That's yeah. absolutely the number one. Lovely. Love these sort of observations. Thanks, Mark Quinn. Now, final one for the adjudication panel. <laughs> this isn't football. This is rugby league. I'm really sorry, but still. Now, we are accustomed to the main vehicle for somebody breaking their silence in football, Charlie, as taking to Twitter. (laughs) Here's uh, Witness Vikings Head of Integrated Operations Christopher Hamilton has hit out at fans for abuse he received following the club's 18-6 home defeat to Swinton Lions. The Vikings director took to LinkedIn yesterday to express his dismay (laughs) at the treatment he encountered as a club bowed out of the 1895 Cup over the weekend. Can you take to LinkedIn? Uh, That is amazing. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's such a ludicrous expression anyway the took to twitter thing it's such yeah, si- you know, monkey it. see monkey do yeah it, people do it i just i'm gonna do it taken to linkedin yeah i mean that's absolutely incredible david i think this is great news for linkedin's kind of commercial team they've really made it now haven't they yeah i mean previously quite a tranquil place scrolling through your feed looking at congratulations on bragging about something or another on acquaintance acquaintance x for starting a new role or or an anniversary and then all of a sudden you've got the directors of witness vikings kicking (laughs) off (laughs) is the next step one of cryptic linkedin posts He's taken to LinkedIn and he posted a 15,000 word cryptic message about his daily routine. Uh, Yeah. Thanks to listener Alex for that one. Uh, LinkedIn, you've made it. Now, time for the pure quiz question 11. Now, Charlie, what broad characteristics would make a player a quiz question perennial, do you think, to set the tone here? There are some different ones. I guess some is that they're known for just, they're absolutely just known for one thing and that that keeps coming up and up again. Then there are others the sort of, no spoilers, but the kind of Carnu types who I, I feel always come up in quizzes because they've played f- for a few clubs 
over a reasonable period of time won quite a lot as well so they might fit into the kind of which player is the only player to have won XYZ so you need to, I think having like a quite varied career is often helpful for this sort of thing so Dave um, Charlie kind of citing sort of extremes here sort of lots of clubs lots of goals you know various sort of ends of spectrums I think to reverse engineer this and this might be a different concept entirely but you hear quite a lot sometimes someone referring to a player saying well they're going to be the answer to a quiz question in 20 years time is that genuinely the the birthing of a player in a quiz question context I always think that those players will end up in a really easy quiz question because it's usually right really of overtly unusual things I think I'm going to get that one because I remembered it I'm I'm banking it now and I'll answer that question that's pretty similar to the the, England's lineup at the 2034 World Cup. Uh, how many of those prophesized quiz questions actually become quiz questions in the end? Often it's like players that have ended up having long careers, play for loads of different clubs. The format of question you often get is, who am I? Who is this player? Played with, you know, somebody from Pep's Barcelona, played for a Manchester club, played in the 2006 World Cup, you know, all those things. And you have to try and work out what's the cross-section between all those things. It's been a great innovation, that form of trivia question as well, Charlie. I, I, I like sort of piecing together proper pieces of knowledge to, to, to arrive at a single answer. I think that's the, one of the purest forms of quiz question. I think it tests your pure knowledge of football as well. Yeah, it's a lot, it's, it's a lot of fun when you've, you, you know, I've, I remember being on long train journeys and what have you on the way to a stag or something like that. And you're all pitching in, trying to work out who this oh, player got is. Got one for you. Got one. Got one <laughs> yeah, for you. That's yeah, the word like, you want to hear. And in the end, like, Charlie it's... just gets it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't fun in the end as for Gary anyone Lineker else. Once but... said. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. The final word on this intro comes from Chris Lambert. He says, uh, don't care about the team. Please ensure that they open their campaign against Jay Ridden St. Johnston, followed by a tough trip to Can't Colour in Hull City. <laughs> yes, excellent stuff. Right. In goal. Who have we got? Charlie, any goalkeepers for me? Who have I got? Dave Besson for being the first. Was he the first to save a penalty? I just have the salad cream thing in my head. (laughs) Okay. There's also there's also the salad cream bit. Okay. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, individual feet like that. I had um, Mark Flecken actually for being the first person to make ten saves (laughs) since the last person. Historic achievement this year (laughs) for Mark Flecken. Um, The only name I had in, in fact, no, none from my listeners either was Lutz Fannenstiel. Played on every continent. Oh, right. I thought it was just like shitloads of clubs. Oh, even better. Did he, he did a book about playing. He's he played on every continent. Yeah. yeah, cool. Yeah, he's, he's up in all sorts of places. Okay, him or Besson in goal then. That's fine. Um, don't worry about the goalkeepers. Back four then. Um, defenders, I think, rare thing for one of our 11s, Charlie. This is quite a democratic thing, I think, to a lesser extent, goalkeepers. But all across this team, you've got equal chance of appearing in it. Like, it doesn't. It, forwards, to an extent, are more spectacular and they probably open themselves up to various records but anyone can edge themselves in with with something actually yeah i say yeah i do think for me well for me anyway for there are more forwards goals oh, help a couple of sort of own goal merchants richard dunn frank yeah. sinclair if, if you had to pick one own goal merchant which one's it going to be sinclair went on a mad run <laughs> i seem to remember though who had the like, better body he... of work in the own goals yeah. sinclair's own goals were better than richard dunn's i think he dunn's, was more of a complete dunn... own goal scorer right but i think dunn is known for a bit more sinclair all i can think of with him is own goals and you know that's harsh on him he had a great career, but he feels more he feels more that. Richard Dunn was an own goal machine though. He actually does have the record, right? This I had to be completely reminded of this one because it's it's not a quiz question I've ever encountered, but it now I look at it, it makes complete sense. Loads of people, Dave, wrote in with Steve Finnan, who is the only player to play in all four football league divisions, football conference, World Cup, Champions League, UEFA Cup, and Intertoto. 
apparently. So these these sorts of players, players yeah. who have done things in lots of arenas, are yeah. the mainstay of our team. These are the stalwarts, right? Yeah, and and they have to tick certain boxes. So so a player like Steve Finnan benefits from the fact that obviously he's Irish, who has made it to World Cup, but like had humble enough beginnings to play in the conference. Played, got scaled the heights enough to play for a team in Liverpool who were successful in Europe. You know, you have to be a very particular kind of player to be able to, to go from top to bottom and everything in between. Finnan's a very good example, Charlie, for this, where I think his trivianess rivals his actual career achievements, which I, which is some going given what he did win with Liverpool. So yeah. I think that alone earns him the right-back berth. I have got an alternative right-back who represents another particular kind of trivia, and that's Moritz Voltz, scorer of the 15,000th Premier League goal take your pick yeah that's a really good that's a really good uh, avenue to go down because there are a few who happen to have scored a kind of landmark Premier League goal he's a really good one Volts is the standout yeah I think Les Ferdinand's another one of them isn't he yeah Brian Dean obviously yeah <laughs> who we'll get on to I mean Mr. First Goal in the Premier yeah. League 15,000 volts the headline yeah. obviously okay well Finnan and Volts vying it out as as are Dunn and Sinclair at centre-half. Jonas Spilder-Jord that Charlie says uh, feels like Kevin Moran belongs on that list. First ever player ever to be sent off in an FA Cup final. So, so first players to have, to have achieved things, especially unwanted things, I think is good. Mm. Would that be the sort of thing that happens and you say that'll be a quiz question in years to come? I don't mm. know. Maybe. Yeah, I think maybe because it would have been it would have been a real thing at the time. Yeah, it's still very odd to see players getting sent off with no red card though, isn't it? It's it's like what just pointed to the stands to the after really long lectures as well. You just don't see a long lecture before a red card anymore. It makes you wonder what they were saying to them back in the day, like a really long winded answer saying, in summary, get off. You're like, we could have told you that two minutes ago. Yeah, yeah. what were they doing? Baffling. Here's another centre back option for you, Charlie. Alex Christian writes in and says um, he, he supplied a whole team, but at the heart of it was Gary Breen. He was one of the players you played at a World Cup without having a club. Yeah. And um, yeah. Alex Christian supplies his Panini sticker on the back of which says, question, how many players called Gary Breen have played for Coventry in the Premier League? <laughs> Turns out it's just a bit of banter, I think, because there was a song from the Coventry fans about there being in goal Gary Breen, number two Gary Breen. Uh, yeah, right. seems, seems a bit of a strange thing to put on the back of his Panini sticker, though. Yeah. And the, the, the answer's what? The answer's just one Gary himself. Yes. That's, uh, that's brilliantly worded as well. Merlin sticker, I should say, not Panini. Yeah. Yeah, very important distinction to make. Okay, let's let's have Finnan and Volts. One of them can do back. a job at left-back, can't they? Yeah, easy peasy. Um, yeah. I, yeah, Volts sounds more of a makeshifty. Adam Reek went for Richard Dunn as well. Dave, you decide because we can't have two own goal merchants. I, I would pick Dunn over Sinclair for the for the own goals. And our other centre half. Should we let's go for Gary Breen then in that case? Gary Breen, yeah. In midfield. I don't have many midfielders. There were a worrying number of shouts, Charlie, for Martin Peters for simply scoring England's other goal in the 1966 World Cup final. Is that a quiz question? I don't mind that. I, I don't mind that. I think... Maybe um, for a newer generation it is. Yeah. Don't mind that. It's on something there. I, uh, Clarence Seedorf, who is the only player to win Champions League with three different clubs. Ah. Yeah. Hey, I think midfield is where the done things for lots of different clubs thing is going to come into its own here. Tom writes in David Andre Kanchelskis scoring in the Manchester Merseyside and Old Firm derbies. It's, yeah. it's the, one of the most evergreen quiz formats. I'm not a fan of the did things in these derbies because I never get them and that infuriates me but Kanchelskis one of the headliners for this yeah that's good because there's always there's all there has to be a slightly weaker link 
you're like, did he play? Did he play yeah. for though for them? Oh, he did, didn't he? And it's an impressive achievement in its own right as well, Charlie, as well as being an answer to a quite a good question. So fair play to anyone who achieves all those things. That's a good one. Yossi Benayoun, I think, has been asked in quite a few of the those sort of round round robin type questions because he's played. I think he's one of the few players to play for like Arsenal. Chelsea and Liverpool in the Premier League era there aren't many players who've played for that many of the kind of big four as it was then okay yeah I like these Seydorf definitely goes in he can be he can be our sort of elite level entry here as well being a great player certainly doesn't preclude you from this team whatsoever Konchelskis can take the derby on us and uh, I'm won over by the Martin Peters thing if that's what the kids are guessing these days then that's fine (laughs) that's our three man midfield up front though is more fun we've got loads of options here an egg and milk option Charlie would be Marcus Bent just sheer number of Premier League clubs yeah, although I think like Robert Earnshaw is the one that not not for Premier League clubs, but he's another one who scored in all the leagues. Yeah, but didn't what's he? the question? If the answer is played for loads of clubs, what's the what's you have to have done? There has to be something more notable than just played for loads of clubs. He 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 once or perhaps still has played for the most Premier League clubs, and I right. don't think it's the case anymore. Right. I see what you mean. I think yeah. I think he might have been eclipsed by somebody, but yeah, at one stage he had, he had the he was like seven seven Premier League clubs. But um, Charlie Earnshaw is bang on. Earnshaw. Is the captain of this team as far as I'm concerned he has famously according to Ricky Kitchen scored a hat-trick in the Premier League all three Football League divisions the FA Cup League Cup and at international level which is both a stunning achievement and one of the most well-worn quiz questions there is yeah I think him another one um, Martin Palermo who is such a kind of trivia fit you can say there's a certain person you can say that to and there's a kind of like oh Palermo oh yeah that was you know you just know you say Martin Palermo you know there's only one thing that you could possibly be talking about Palermo Dave is a very good example of someone who definitely would have been cited as a future quiz question at the time I think so yeah and then it's and then it's just about turned out to be I've never seen it phrased as a question but it definitely has been no question yeah well you probably frequent high level quizzes don't you <laughs> I've been to one. They're not going to be troubling you with 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 the run of the mill Martin Palermo fair. Me and Charlie yeah. go to underground football quizzes. <laughs> <laughs> we have to we have to borrow money from loan sharks to uh, pay off our <laughs> losses. They've been in there for days, still going. <laughs> oh, I, well, I could do it. I can name. I can name the Republic of Ireland squad from the nine nine four World Cup. I could do it. Just give me one more chance. Here's an obscure one, but I, I do think it works for this player's kind of claim to fame alone. Phil Chisnells as Andy Cumella as the last player to be transferred directly between Manchester United and Liverpool. I know nothing else of the man. Inside forward. Um, I, I wouldn't pretty, have got that at a quiz. Depends how it's phrased. That's the sort of thing if you, I imagine if you follow those clubs, you know that and that, that that's just one of those names. Alf Common, says David Ward. Charlie, the first £1,000 player. Alf Common. <laughs> Fixture of the quiz questions of the 1930s, I'm sure. Trevor Francis is a kind of more modern version. I mean, I say more, I say more modern, more <laughs> doing a lot of heavy lifting. Yeah, there. yeah, I like that. So we've got Earnshaw for sure. What about Nicholas Anelka? He's surely got to be in there because he, again, he's kind of one of like the ultimate, like, who am I? Played in this derby, this derby, this derby. Played in an El Clasico. Won titles in all the top leagues or whatever. I guess Zlatan probably kicks a lot of those boxes as well. Yeah, that's true. Mm. And Nelka and Zlatan very much going head to head for this spot. Um, I like this from listener Sam. His hat trick of appearances from him on this episode. Charlie says, I'm not saying you have to choose him. But what I am saying is that Mark Hughes could play for the quiz question 11 and Wales on the same day if needed. <laughs> very good. Very good. The feat alone is great. The player himself doesn't deserve a spot in this team. Uh, Earnshaw, definitely then. Let's go with the Nelka alongside him. Any more? Brian Dean was the other one. We mentioned him. I think, yeah, Carno. I said, but I think Anelka's more probably trumps him. 
Brian Dean uh, or Martin Palermo, Dave? I think Palermo is better because it's way more, way more notable. Somebody had to score the first Premier League goal, but missing three penalties in one match, that's a real proper rarity. I think the clincher here, Charlie, is missing three penalties in one game is simply better trivia than scoring the first goal in Premier League yeah. history. But only just. Only just. Okay. Palermo, Earnshaw, and Nelka. What a front line. Fantastic stuff. We need a manager. David Kiernan, Dave, says Howard Wilkinson the last English manager to win the league. Who's the Lutz van and Steel of management? Uh, Bora Milutinovic. Yeah. Not a quiz question though, is he? He might he might be like he might even have featured in the world, in your uh, in the World Cup quiz that you wrote. What about um Mario Zagallo? Oh. Yeah. Yes. Also Beckenbauer, yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah, Zagallo's a good shout. I like that. Okay. What stadium do they play in? Sam Robertson, Dave, says the team either has to play at Edgeley Park, the closest ground to the River Mersey, until Everton move, I assume, or the Hawthorns, the highest professional ground above sea level in England. Has to be the Hawthorns. Yeah, I like the Hawthorns. That's good. Connoisseur's alternative, though, Charlie. Count Bracula says this team has to play at Griffin Park. There's something about all four corners of the ground, apparently. Demolished, so no longer. But that's that's the sort of question that would come up, not in a football quiz, but on like a TV quiz show. A real ale quiz. <laughs> <laughs> Might come up on The Chase or Who Wants to Be a Millionaire or something yeah. like that. Yeah, uh, you can't beat the Hawthorns here, can you? Fantastic. I enjoyed that. A, a really classic sub-episodic 11 there. I think it didn't deserve its whole episode, did it? But good for a second half of a show. Uh, not doing it down great contributions thanks everyone cheers to you charlie thank you cheers to you dave thank you tremendous stuff back on tuesday see you then bye sports social podcast network